0: Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church.
1: Praise God for His Word. It's the Word of God that really brings change in lives. Uh, you know, we inspire, we try and put our spin on what it means to us. And when I say spin, it's our, our experience of what God is doing in our life. And uh, we'll hear about some experiences this morning during this, this message. But I'm really excited about the series because um, as we go into series, things change in this church. You know, the last series was extended from one month to three months. Uh, great expectations. God was clearly birthing stuff and is continuing to birth stuff in the church and uh, this, the, the next service, the third service, was birthed in that series. Things don't happen by accident. God's plans are prepared, and he is just saying, who's listening, who's seeing, who's understanding? And as we uh, move into this series, uh, running up to Easter, um, we are definitely looking at who Jesus Christ said he is and who he was at the time in the Scriptures. Uh, so this is the introductory uh, message, the bread of life, and... Um, I'm excited by this series because as we draw Jesus into the centre of what we do in our workplaces, our colleges, our homes, you don't have to force anything. You don't have to force anything. You see, the Bible makes it very, very clear that people are spiritually hungry. They are hungry. And what you can't do is force feed people. And if we try and force feed people, they will spit stuff out. You know, don't force feed people. Just let them come and eat. Let them, because they're Human nature, human need is to feed and to have food and spiritual food. We are made to have spiritual food. God made us that way. So we don't have to force anything. And we'll pick up a bit more on that thought as we go forward. But Christ Jesus defined himself intentionally. We know about God. We know that God is the Creator. God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in a Trinitarian gospel. We believe that God is three in one. It's an incredible, incredible conversation uh, but we know the power of God is in that unity of, and that trinity where God himself is uh, making himself accessible to people. Jesus came to this earth so that mankind could know a relationship with him personally. Also so that he could show us as people that he's experienced the things that people experience. So no one could ever say, well, well, God just doesn't understand me because actually God fully understands you and God made you. And God is the great and awesome creator but how do you define someone who's so great and awesome without these huge superlatives? Well, God just says, I am. God described himself, and I'll pull the verse up later. God described himself to Moses as, I am that I am. Why? Because, just keep it simple. <laughs> if you are everything, then, or if you are in everything, through, everything, then actually it's very hard to put all the, ex- the, all the words in that explain who you are. So just keep it simple, I am. That's a present continuous, past present continuous continuous and future. Amazing. So God is often in Scripture defined by what he's not. He's not evil. God is not limited by human thinking. God is not limited by space and time. God is the creator. But many people often want to make themselves God. They want to, they want to take the place of God. And so as we make our understanding of God really somebody in, inside our control, now, there's a dangerous place. You could be a, a follower or a tender of, of church. You could be a, somebody who would call themselves Christians. But actually, your, your own definition of God is, is pocket-sized. It's, it's almost it, it's kept in your def- You've got to be very careful. We've got to expose ourselves to who God really is. And we try to do that all the time here. We want Jesus to be in the centre of his church. He's building this church. We are his people. Um, so the Bible talks about what God is not, but it also says about what he is. He's the king. He's a lamb, you know, um, he's like a rock, he's he's like a strong tower, he's like the wind. Why? Because there's so many other adjectives that can describe the nature of God. But we can read in uh, John 20, 31, right at the end of the book of John, John, who was called a friend of Jesus, in fact, he's the one that Jesus loved. Why? Because he was very, very close. Jesus, the man, was very close to John Um, his disciple and the Apostle John, who wrote the book of John. Why did he write that letter, that book, that gospel? Why? Because he wanted something to come across. He wanted belief to be birthed in people's hearts. He wanted it to. He didn't just write it because he was some kind of... He was a fisherman. He He wasn't trying to be a scholar. He was trying to bring people to an encounter of belief. These signs, the things that Jesus did, are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. In his name. Not somebody else's name. Not in some other religious experience. Not in some other theoretical definition. Not in some academic (laughs) argument. It's life in his name. By believing in him. But what is believing? What is life? Who is Jesus? I'll tell you, our communities do not understand this. They don't. I was amazed this week um, to hear about a school locally And they had communion in one of the classes. Or in fact, they got two classes together in a primary school. Now, it wasn't communion like we would have as a faith-based thing. It was to to understand the Christian religion. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think I applaud the schools for doing that. There are some places in Britain where they wouldn't do that. There are certainly countries where they wouldn't do it. But they had all these um, primary school kids in a room and they, they effectively illustrated what communion was. They asked some of the the children, what would you do if you were Jesus and, and you knew that you were going to give your life on the cross? And uh, I'm reliably informed that, that one said, well, I'd run away. Uh-huh. In fact, many of them said I'd run away as quick as possible. Uh-huh. And then uh, and a couple of them said, well, actually, I'd find someone who looked just like me and change places. <laughs> now, that's the way children think. But thank God that he didn't change places with anybody. Jesus was the real deal because he... Took himself to the cross. He allowed, He knew the destiny before. So he's able to describe himself. I'm telling you, there are a lot of people. I meet them every week who just don't know what our faith is all about. They don't. That's why these gospels that we've been talking about um, are so so important. These I am gospels. I just pull it, Pull mine out. My, my I'm uh, I'm packing. Who <laughs> like Mike Brickley last week? You packing the, the the gospel? Packing the word. Who used the word of God this week in any way, shape, or form outside of church? Great stuff. We'll talk about that later. But um, this is an excuse here. (laughs) I said to Mike, you know, I've been using that illustration ever since I picked it up from him in the States. So you lot, I said, you all know about it. I did the left-handed thing as well. Now you're advanced trained. Um, But it's funny, isn't it? So John's purpose is to bring belief in who Jesus is and to have life by his name. That's it. That's what we're doing. Now, the journey is where all the fun is. The journey is where we figure out what we're good at, what we're bad at, what the ministry is, what the call is, the discipleship. We see the supernatural. We, we, we realize that actually we're all failures in some way. God is, We've all messed up, and we need God to help us to, to kind of get ourselves sorted out because there's no perfect people in this room. Um, I know that for sure. And so, But who is Jesus? I love what it says in Hebrews because... This isn't Jesus describing himself. This is what the writer to the Hebrews says. He said, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, hypostasis, his nature. That's the God nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. This is a fantastic, I mean, I love this verse in Hebrews. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact um, imprint of his hypostatic nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That is a huge statement of identity. That is God. right? That is why we know that Jesus is God. He's man and God. So, Hebrews 1.3. So, other writers describe Jesus, but what does Jesus use to describe himself? He's associating himself with God, the Father, by calling himself I Am, and adding some metaphors to it. And what's a metaphor? A metaphor is something that is like something else. Um, in, In the Greek, the root word for metaphor means to transfer. So, in other words, you're transferring some identity of meaning from one thing to something else. And so what Jesus has done is he's used metaphors to describe himself. And each week we'll look at another one of these metaphors. Uh, But those, it's what that substance is. What's that likeness that he's trying to draw out about himself? That's what we're going to try and do today. But metaphors that we may be familiar with are expressions like, the classroom was a zoo. Now, I know we don't use that expression, but if you're a teacher, maybe that has been your experience, that, that it's full of um, unusual creatures <laughs> and eating patterns that are different. So, um, but an expression might be his head was spinning with ideas. Well, I've never seen one anyone with their going you know, 360, you know, on a repeated basis. But we know what it means. It means that their minds were caught up with thinking, with thinking, thinking, thinking. How about life is a roller coaster? A lot of ups and downs. You know, there's very little Dutch. Trains in, this, in, in, in the world, so to speak, on flat, flat ground. Time is money. you heard that in the city plenty of times. Um, he's a walking dictionary. Or she was a volcano, <laughs> ready to
0: explode.
1: <laughs> Interesting thoughts, aren't they? Shakespeare said about uh, Romeo and Juliet. He said that Romeo adored Juliet, and Juliet is the sun. If you're a, someone into English literature, you'll know that those amazing sort of Descriptions, But what did he mean by that? Juliet is the sun. Of course, it's just a, a play. It's a play. But you picture something, don't you? If, he's the, if she's the sun, she, the summing of her heat, her light, her presence, that means something. It's so much that it draws this, this love from a balcony. And it, it starts to stir the human heart. So why does God use metaphors? Because he wants us to sort of get into understanding what these things are that the scriptures say. It's not a religious, law-based thing. It's a load of revelation about the loving nature of God that we're talking about. The background of, of this statement, I am the bread of life, is rooted in, in, in John 6. And um, that whole chapter is interesting because it talks about the feeding of the 5,000, which is a huge miracle, all about bread, and where it came from, and then the fact that there's 5,000 people there. Imagine sitting on a hillside with your, a few close friends, half a dozen or a dozen friends, or maybe a few more, and you're looking down the hillside, and all of a sudden there's probably nearer to 10,000 people coming towards you, and you know that's a big group of people. You know that that crowd's on their way. Why would you think straight away about food? I guess a bit like BCC, everything we do has got food attached. So, but you know why? Because I think the disciples and Jesus knew that there were a lot of hungry people physically in, in Israel at that time. There were hungry people. Food was a very big deal. I mean, it's a, it was a big deal. These, this wasn't just like people who would stepped out of a, you know, a situation where they just got piles of food. These people were there because they are being drawn by God and something was going to happen. So we've got the feeding of the 5,000. And um, there's this dialogue that happens with this five, five to 10,000 people with men, women, and children all coming towards Jesus and the disciples, and they have a conversation about how we're going to feed them. And and Andrew says, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. And that's where the miracle started. What's in your hands? What has God put? He's given food to a boy to be the start of a miracle to change a community. And this miracle is the only miracle that's repeated in all four Gospels. So this has got a big play, apart from the resurrection itself of Jesus, which is a miracle, but the actual performed miracle by Jesus, the only one in all four. Why? Because it's showing, there's a huge illustration around this about the nature of Jesus and what he's doing. But he takes from a child, a young boy, the loaves and the fish. And it mentions barley. Why barley? Because barley is what the poor people ate. It was, what the, it was the cheapest form of bread. And so Jesus takes that situation, the least, the cheapest, and turns it into a miracle that can impact thousands. What have we got in our hands? Then, in between that and the next dialogue, Jesus walks on water. I love it in the scriptures, it says he just kind of appeared at Capernaum in so many words, and the crowds are thinking, there's only one boat? How did he get over there? The disciples took that boat. It's just, there's a funny thing going on, underneath the skin. So what does it mean to believe? That's the first key thing in the I am statement of Jesus about being the bread of life. It says that when they crossed over to Capernaum, this is all, these lots of people, they found other boats, and it says they found Jesus, him, on the other side of the lake, and asked Rabbi, when did you get here? See, they couldn't figure out how, there was one boat, disciples got in that boat, but Jesus ended up across... Of course, we heard that a couple of weeks back when Graham preached about Jesus walking on water, an amazing in between miracle that happened. Um, but I tell you, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. We can be in God's presence and not have a clue about what's going on. We can be human. We can be completely caught up in human thinking. We can be caught up in. in in the need that you have got, I have got, we have got and fail to see the miracle that's taking place. And we get consumed by the, by the issue that's right there. And the consumption of that issue can slow us right down. What does it mean to believe? It's not just about being in the presence of God, it's actually responding with an action. Don't be dominated by working for earthly food, that's what it's saying. Don't work to gain earthly food, work to see belief become alive In your situation don't be so concerned about perishable things like food the scriptures say John wrote spend your energy seeking eternal the eternal life that the son of man can give you well you can't make eternal life but there's a journey of seeing that eternal life revealed in your life and the life of others as, as they connect the crowd replied We want you to perform God's works too. Sorry, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? So they're asking him, what can we do if if we're going to do God's works? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you, to believe in the one he has sent. Interesting, that the crowd, John makes a little subtle point here. Um, What works with an S? How, we want to perform God's works too. In other words, they were thinking of works as being laboring for something to get a return. But, but Jesus replies, this is the only work without an S God wants from you is to believe in the one he said. And that believing, faith without work, works, is dead. But the belief is actually that process of taking the truth into. And it's one, one Holy Spirit leading one group of people, leading his kingdom, leading his people. So, how do we apply that? Well, I've got this great little story. That photograph is a photograph of the highest cliffs in the world in Hawaii. And uh, around the mid-1800s, the king in Hawaii, um, there had lots of travelers come from around the world and and they brought diseases and infections to the Hawaiian islands. And uh, leprosy came as well um, to the islands and the king decided to make it illegal to be leprous. And actually said, right, Uh, if you are found to be leprous, then you will be sent to this colony. And the colony was based at the foot of this cliff, the highest cliffs in the world, 1,000 metres high, because there was no way really to get out. Unless you had a boat and could get out to sea, you really were there for life. And that's the whole plan. That was a punishment for being a victim of something they had no control over. And nobody, they wanted them outside of community. But there was a a father, a priest, um, aged 33, from Belgium. And he was in the Hawaiian Islands, and he felt, I should be the one... To bring the truth of Jesus Christ to this community. So he, he decided to do that and he wrote a letter to his brother back in Belgium. He said, I make myself a leper with the lepers to gain all to Jesus Christ. To gain all. He did contract leprosy and he died at the age of 49. Now, if I, as I reflect to yesterday's men's meeting, if we die to self, if we're able to truly die to self, then you, you see human death actually is not that significant because you realise there's a whole future and actually God's plan for you comes through that willingness to die to self. When we die to self, then then actually life becomes a lot more doable because nothing in terms of fear will hold you back. And in this case, this guy wasn't frightened by leprosy. He wasn't frightened. He was just thrilled to put belief into action and do what God was giving him an opportunity to do. And fearlessly, he led uh, many, many, many people to faith. In fact, he had a community of 8,000 people he was working with. So the first thing is, is that we should look to understand what it means to really believe. It's not consumption. It's about another thing. The second point, do I recognize the source? And uh, it says, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. Now, I remember as a young Christian, I used to do this all the time. Actually, I wasn't a Christian. I was a young, God-aware person, a teenager, and would argue about, if you're their God do this show me another proof give me another proof Uh, I reckon a lot of people have done that I don't reckon I'm the only one who's just so kind of full of that desire but we do don't we we want God to prove it again and again and again he does something amazing does a miracle gives you revelation but we want more and more until we're willing to actually step into belief they answered show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you what can you do after all, our ancestors ate manna. They're saying, after all, we got food every day. If you're only doing it yesterday, what kind of God are you? you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of what they're saying. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven. And Jesus corrects them and says, no, i tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. You see, God is providing for our lives and for the lives of others. And he says, and now he offers you the true bread from heaven. There's a change. We can get stuck with earthly bread and be consumed by desiring that bread, but actually there's a bread from heaven that satisfies fully. And that was this conversation was about. People were seeing something that sustained them in the natural when God had a plan for the, the supernatural in their spiritual understanding. You know, it's, um, that is a strange uh, perspective on this. Do we recognize the source? Um, Mrs. Beaton, when talking about bread those of you who have read Mrs. Beaton, uh, bread has become an article of food of the first necessity, uh, and properly so, for it constitutes of itself a complete life sustainer. So therefore, who likes bread in this room? (laughs) Who's from Italy and likes bread? (laughs) Nobody. But I, I love these. I'm not even going to try and pronounce some of these exotic breads, but you get breads with herbs on them and breads with olive oil. You get breads with pizza toppings on them. You get... Asian breads with meat inside them, oooh, you, you get, I like the breads so that you can dip in olive oil, I like that, don't you, I, I, like, um, I like, I like, I love bread actually, I love hot bread, I like crusty bread, I love bread with butter, am I making you all hungry? I like, I, I tell you, it, it, there's no buts, it's got to be butter, <laughs> it's got to be for me, I can't stand fake butter. I was talking to Andy Elms yesterday. He says he can't stand fake grass and God's bringing the real thing back into his church. Anyway, that's another <laughs> conversation. But, um, but uh, I love real butter. And then they found out it was healthy for you again. That was really good. They gave me all the excuse, go for it. And I like it with salt in it. That's the thing. <laughs> you know what? You are what you eat, aren't you? I but um, I love it with butter. I love. I had, I had toast this morning. And <laughs> We're not consumed by hot buttered toast. You know, I, well, I worked with, it's funny, I worked in, the, in London at a diamond company for a few years, and you know, all I could remember about that experience was on the special days when we went on the, the bread run, the, the cake runs to gold rings around the corner. It, I always had a buttered Chelsea bun. They were always hot out of the ovens, cut them open. But, oh! Anyway. <laughs> but you know, the, many of the world do not have food. Right now there is a famine in East Africa. Um, you know, it's very, very serious. We're probably missing it but the UN Food and Agricultural Authority estimate that 590, sorry, 795 million people out of the 7.3 or more people in the world, a ninth of the world's population, are suffering from chronic malnutrition. Why does Jesus talk about bread? Because bread is a staple, staple dietary thing. And there's different forms of doing it, but it's a staple thing. It's a basic commodity, it's, it's when you think of people eating, it's the most basic thing. You, maybe rice as well, but, but bread is like that, bread is, bread is a consumer, and it goes off. It doesn't last very long, does it? I mean, you leave a piece of bread out for more than an hour, it's all shriveled. you ever have sandwiches that all shrivel up at the edges? Dries out, doesn't taste very good. You know, if it's in your bread bin, after three days it probably needs to go in the recycling. and It, it just doesn't last. I, these are the natures of Jesus relating to bread. Because bread, you need it every day. You need it. You need it every day. Do I recognize the source? God is our source. The third point I want to bring out is, am I spiritually satisfied? Now, if you are a follower of Jesus and you're feeling dissatisfied spiritually, I suspect that you need to do some work where you're hungry and where you're thirsty. The Bible says this, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world Verse 34, Sir, they said, give us us that bread every day. Because we need to eat every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So if you are hungry and thirsty, and yet we're following Jesus, are we satisfied? Are we satisfied? If we're dissatisfied, if we're frustrated, how about bringing God's kingdom into your frustration? Bring it in. Don't point the finger at another person. Bring God's kingdom into your situation. God's empowered you to carry His presence. He's empowered you to bring Him into your world. In fact, it says that His Spirit is in us. So how could we be dissatisfied and frustrated? The truth is, probably there's something going up in the way we think, that we need to reset our expectation about what God is doing. Am I spiritually satisfied? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. But people get dissatisfied around who they are, what they do, and why we do what we do. People get dissatisfied all the time. I would push back and say, why are you feeling dissatisfied? There's probably a spiritual dynamic to why you're dissatisfied. There's something of God's kingdom that needs to be actively materialized in your world. Is it because you're not eating of Jesus? Is it because you're not? It's a metaphor. We don't physically, you know, it's a metaphor. It's a picture. It's because we don't have enough of Him daily in our lives. That's the reality. If we're getting this, now maybe you're getting dissatisfied satisfied because there's a cause you're drawn to. Okay, but, but there's a spiritual, a spiritual side of this satisfaction question. You know, you are what you eat. You are. You are. When I was younger, I used to eat a lot of really bad stuff, and now I'm older, I eat just a little bit less of the bad stuff, but I still love it. And um, we are what we eat. We are what we eat. If you eat good food, you give yourself the opportunity to be strong and healthy, get all those vitamins in you, proteins, carbs. If you eat the bad stuff, and you only eat one thing in your diet, and some of you have been on diets, it's amazing to see how fit and healthy you're looking. And you know that actually you've got to be really careful. You've got to cut out some of the stuff and do a bit more exercise. There's a parallel there, isn't there? Eat the right food and do the right exercise. And what happens? You become strong. Same spiritually. Eat the right food, do the right exercise, come to the prayer meeting, be involved in a small group, pray believing, get active, carry these Gospels, and you'll become really strong spiritually. You won't be dissatisfied because you know what will happen? God will open up so many opportunities. Because you won't be looking like a human, soulful person, I need more bread. You'll be thinking, wow, I don't need that bread. I don't need to be focused on that bread. I've got the bread, the bread of life, the bread of life. that's actually feeding me constantly because I'm seeing things differently. I'm seeing the opportunities differently. And that's been happening in this church with the Gospels. As we picked up these things, you know, I am the light of the world. That's one of the I am's. This is almost like running with our series, these Gospels. So every time you meet someone in the street or a friend or a colleague or a Someone at school, you could just say, look, do you want one of these things? What's all that about? Well, it's I Am, that's our series at church. What a great connection. Church details inside. But more importantly, do you really know who Jesus is? Do you really know who he is? You've got everybody else's opinions about who he is. Why don't you find out who he is? I'm telling you, I don't think thinking people have got a problem with trying to find out who Jesus really is. In fact, the Scriptures tell us that the Father is drawing those people to Christ. It's not actually Jesus who draws them. You know that. It's the Father who draws them. Now, Jesus is with the Father in heaven. His Spirit is with us in our our hearts and in our lives. But the Father is drawing people to Christ. How's he doing? It's through our experience. I'm so excited. Many of you have raised your hands to say you're using these little Gospels, but I was really excited at the prayer meeting. Because I asked the room, who's seen amazing things happen? And there were people putting their hands up, and one really caught my attention. So, Maisie, where are you? Oh, there you are. Maisie, very bravely, is going to tell us what happened at school this Tuesday. Now, Maisie's 15. So, Maisie, I'm going to give you the mic. You just tell us what happened. Thank you.
0: Um... Hello? Yeah. yeah. Um, it was actually Monday. Oh, was it Monday? Yeah, Monday first period, I walked into my maths class, and... I was just sorting out my bag to get, like, my maths book out. And I happened to get out a book that Luke and Amelia bought me, and it's called By God's Grace Alone. And the boy sitting next to me, he picked it up, and he was like, oh, what's this? And I was like, oh, it's, it's my book. It's about God. And I was like, do you want to read it? And he was like, no, that God, that God stuff isn't for me. I don't like God. He has nothing to do with me. So I was like, okay. So I got talking to him for, like, five minutes, and I can't even, like, remember what I said to him at the end of it he just like looked over to the clock and he was like what's the time and I was like okay it's like 20 past nine and he was like I want to give my life to Jesus he was like I want to give my heart to him and I want to follow him and I was like wow great and I was like here I have this little I am book for you (laughs) yeah thank you very
1: So I figure I understated it in the first service when I, when I was given permission to tell a bit of that story. Isn't that amazing? Didn't we talk about five loaves, two fish at the beginning? Didn't we talk about the simple things that God's given to us? We, don't have to, we make life so complicated. We make it too complicated. We, theologi, we the, the, theorize and theologically reason whether this should happen and that should happen, whether I should do it in this way or that way. You know what? God just wants people who've got what they've got in their hands to be willing to stand for him. You do that, I do that, this place is going to explode. Who is going to be the first person we baptise as a result of them reading one of these I Am Gospels? Who knows? Who knows? If it happens with your friend, Maisie, you can do the baptism. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Right, how about it? Why, why not? With one of the youth leaders, why not? And I know that Maisie also said that you know, he took the Gospel home and took it to his parents. What might happen in that family? We don't know. We don't know. Are you satisfied? If you're not satisfied, get going in the kingdom. Get alive. Get a life. (laughs) Literally, (laughs) get alive. So, spiritual food and spiritual activity produce spiritual strength. What do you think sustained Maisie all week? That conversation. What do you think got our prayer meeting absolutely rocking as the youth led it on on, uh, Wednesday? that story why because it's it's spiritual food spiritual activity spiritual strength it's amazing isn't it so am i spiritually satisfied it says here and it's my last verse so dan can you join me those the father has given me will come to me and i'll never reject them do you get this this is seriously theological (laughs) verse 38 for i've come down from heaven to do the will of god who sent me not to do my own will And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but I should raise them up at the last day. This is eternal security. When people come to Christ, he will lose none of them. Life will mess people around. Life will cause people to be drawn away at times, but God loves people. God wants us to reach people. He wants to reach them. He's drawing them to Christ. And he'll do it through us. What an amazing thing. What an exciting thing when we die to self and we start to let that power of God really work through. What is your ministry gifting? Use your ministry gifting. Develop it. You don't need to do it on a platform here in the church. Just be who you are and let that gifting develop through you.